the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Rusus John Rushduni. In lieu of the judgment of God across this nation, I appeal to you to listen, learn, and live as the Holy Spirit guides you in the truth of the Word of God. The words and prompting of fallible men do not hold a candle to the truth of Scripture, and the truth of Scripture will only be words to our ears unless we exhort, establish, and exercise these infallible words in every area of thought and life. Chalcedon Report, number 112, December 1974. Not only has man during his long history distrusted freedom and feared it, but he has also distrusted righteousness. As a powerful American monopolist said of a politician at the beginning of the 20th century, I like a man who, when you buy him, stays bought. Evil can be depended on to be for sale. This preference for evil has been basic to the diplomacies of states in the modern era. The more evil a state becomes, the more readily it is trusted by the various international powers. A classic example of this is Turkey. By the mid-17th century, over 300 years ago, it was apparent that the Turkish Empire was corrupt and ready to fall if attacked by any major power. Its collapse would have freed the Christians of Central Europe, the Near East, and North Africa. When the powers of Europe realized this weakness of Turkey, they immediately came to its defense. Control of the Dardanelles means control of the Black Sea, the Danube, Central Europe, and the Near East. More shipping and commerce then and now is controlled by this key area than any other point in the world. None were willing to place this power in the hands of even slightly principled power. Turkey alone was, quote, dependable, unquote, because by its very corruption, it could clearly be bought and controlled. When the Hungarians under Prince Eugene of Savoy shattered Turkey at Zinten in a battle in which 3,000 Turks perished, including the Grand Vizier and four other viziers, Europe sprang to Turkey's defense. The result was a treaty hammered out at Karlowitz in 1699. Austria was able to keep two-thirds of Hungary, and the Russians gained Asof and the area north of the Sea of Asof. The peace conference led by Britain and Holland made Turkey the concern and, in a sense, ward of all Europe. In the Congress of Vienna in 1815, this principle was more bluntly formulated. Turkey must never pass into the hands of any one power. However, earlier in 1774, in the Treaty of Canarje, Russia had been able to wrest a concession from Turkey. Quote, Turkey promises to protect constantly the Christian religion and churches and allow the ministers of Russia at Constantinople to make representation on their behalf, unquote. 
a check was to be placed on the Turkish savagery towards Christians. This was too much for Europe. In the Crimean War, Europeans, led by Britain, treated the Turks as great and heroic men and fought with them against Russia. And in 1856, in the Treaty of Paris, Russia was compelled to abandon her religious concern for Christians in Turkey. One result was that Turkey now had a free hand to plan the total extermination of Armenians and other Christians, culminating in the massacre of nearly two million Armenians alone in World War I and after. Queen Victoria's hatred of Russia was so intense that she despised Gladstone, the champion of Christian minorities, and was ready to listen to the Sultan as a brother ruler. Earlier, before Britain's entry into the Crimean War, she had issued an ultimatum in writing to the Prime Minister, quote, If England is to kiss Russia's feet, the Queen will not be a party to the humiliation of England and would lay down her crown, unquote. After World War I, except for Britain this time, the powers conspired to revive Turkey as against Greece, leading to the massacres at Smyrna. The full story of the massacres were suppressed everywhere, and the American High Commissioner at Constantinople, Admiral Mark L. Bristol, sent out anti-Christian reports. Standard Oil, American Tobacco, and Chester Concessions had large commitments in Turkey. In World War II and thereafter, Turkey received huge sums in aid from various powers on both sides, and its role as a necessary power was strengthened. In fact, the break between Stalin and Hitler was the result of their conflict over Turkey. Both wanted it for themselves. In the 1970s, Cyprus or any other area is readily sacrificed rather than allow anyone to touch Turkey. If any power, no matter how slightly principled, should take over Turkey, every modern and Machiavellian state would feel threatened. The thesis is simple. Evil is trustworthy and can be bought and controlled. Better a Turkey and better a Marxist Russia and a red China than freedom there or elsewhere. This is power politics with its balance of powers ploy its readiness to deal with corrupt regimes and to treat them with dignity, with its collectivism, its humanism, and anti-Christianity. It governs the modern age and is destroying it. It is becoming its own judgment and nemesis. All its efforts to patch and prop up the decaying international order only aggravate the problem. The shattering of that order will come as the new wine of Christian faith returns, shattering the old bottles Matthew 9:17 The word of God stands, quote, "Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain." Unquote. Psalms 127:1 The rebuilding of Christendom can only come as men are regenerated and are faithful to the law word of God. Only as once again men put their trust in God's law rather than man's evil. The modern motto seems to be, quote, In evil we trust, unquote. Men being themselves evil can better understand and trust in evil and will continue to do so as long as they continue in their own depravity. 
The psalmist said of idolaters who worshipped the evil they imagined and fashioned, quote, They that make them are like unto them, so is every one that trusteth in them. Unquote. Psalms 115.8 Where is your trust? What power do you believe dominates the world? God or Satan? Righteousness or evil? You will stand or fall in terms of your answer. Calcine Report number 113, January 1975. When Pilate asked Jesus, quote, What is truth? Unquote, John 18:38, he spoke as a Roman. Guilt or innocence of the charge at hand he could understand, but the idea of truth was beyond him as too abstract and irrelevant. One of the most ancient premises of Roman law was the declaration, quote, The health or welfare of the people is the highest law, unquote. Expediency and pragmatism took priority over all other considerations. The premise of success and advancement in Rome, for individuals and for the state, was threefold. Survival, self-gratification, and opportunism. With the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, the European states began to operate with progressively easier consciences on the classical Roman model. One of the abler statesmen, Lord Palmerston, British Foreign Secretary, was a student of things Roman, and he applied the Roman premise in his famous aphorism, quote, We have no perpetual allies, and we have no perpetual enemies. Our interests are perpetual. Self-interest had become the new law for men and nations, the, quote, higher, unquote, law. This shift from the higher law of God to the higher law of man is a significant one. It comes to focus in part in the idea of Leah's fear. The background of this doctrine is theological. It rests on a belief in the higher law of God. Non-intervention by the state in economics and in other areas rests in origin in a belief that the sovereign and absolute God governs all things by His law. For man to legislate where God has already legislated is not only irrelevant and foolish, but also potentially dangerous. After all, one does not legislate laws of physics, biology, or mathematics. To do so is dangerous, as the Soviet Union found out with Lysenko. It can mean disastrous failures in the agricultural realm or in some other practical realm. Such laws of God await man's discovery, not man's legislation. This older view led to a secularized version. Quote, nature, unquote, is the source of this higher law it was held, and interference with natural harmony makes matters worse. The laws of nature govern all things, and status tampering with natural harmony leads only to disaster. The next step was to secularize the matter further. The source of natural harmony is the individual and his self-interest. The best working of society thus rests on the radical self-interest of the individual. Thus the source of freedom and law shifted from God to nature to man, and then finally to the state the humanistic state, in the 20th century. In Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations, 1776, the first three factors, God, 
nature, and man were blended and identified. Smith wrote that the individual, quote, generally neither intends to promote the public interest nor knows how much he is promoting it. He intends only his own security, and by directing that industry in such a manner as its produce may be of the greatest value, he intends only his own gain. And he is in this, as in many other cases, led by an invisible hand to promote an end which was no part of his intention." As a defense of the free market, this was hardly accurate. Self-interest then and now leads many industrialists and labor unions to prefer the security of subsidies to the free market and to connive against both freedom and law. Moreover, no sooner were freedom and law clearly grounded in man than man shifted it to his agency, the state. John Stuart Mill began by championing a radical concept of liberty for man and concluded by transferring liberty and law to the socialist state. Not principles, but self-interest are perpetual. Modern man has held, together with Palmerston, and to maintain the autonomy of man in his self-interest. Man has been ready to scrap freedom and law. For the new existentialist, true autonomy means only existence, not essence, not a pattern, purpose, or law, inner or outer, to limit man's autonomy. The older cry of humanistic man was, quote, I want to be free, unquote. But this has given way in terms of existentialism to a new creed, well expressed in the theme of a popular song, quote, I want to be me, unquote. This me does not want to be anything except itself. It denies the validity of any objective norm, law, or standard. This me is in fact at war with all standards. It hates slavery and freedom alike. It hates justice and injustice, and it has only one goal, the destruction of all norms. The modern state, as it increasingly reflects this existentialist man, also lives for its own sake. Its purpose in politics and economics is meaningless, except in terms of its only motive, survival on its own lawless terms. Thus, from a world of natural harmony, we have come to a world of total and natural disharmony and war. The warning of Isaiah 2.22 still stands, quote, Cease ye from man, whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he to be accounted of? Men and nations who build upon man make their foundation sand. In the storms ahead they cannot stand. Matthew 7.24-27 Look to your own foundations. Do they rest upon sand, upon your own being, or are they established on the rock? Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushman. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus perfect sacrifice, the love he had shown.
Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.